start a new transition, whether in parenthood, job transition, healing, or creating a brand new life. Be with us in Pantal Calhor Transition Channel. Episode 36, Reversing Chronic Brain Disease, with Dr. Ken Shalin, Neurologist and Functional Medicine Practitioner. Please subscribe to Panta Kalhor Transition Channel in YouTube and order my book Naturally Conceived through Amazon. Get pregnant by unleashing your reproductive power. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening to everyone, because I know everyone from different parts of the world listening to this show. And uh, every day I try to bring professionals, talk to you about different topics, health topics, especially during this COVID, it's so difficult uh, to be healthy. <laughs> but there are lots of ways and we still can be healthy, happy, and energetic. Today we have a Dr. Ken Shalin, and he is medical doctor, board uh, certified neurologist, consultant, functional medicine practitioner, assistant clinical professor. And uh, our topic is can chronic brain disease be reversed? Because a lot of you have heard about Alzheimer and other brain disease and you just think that that's going to stay there forever, but it's not. We have lots of solutions, and I'm so happy to have uh, Dr. Ken here because uh, finally we have some good news uh, about Alzheimer uh, healing and other brain disease, chronic disease, because uh, Dr. Ken also doing functional medicine, and uh, these days is very... Uh, modern to use functional medicine and medical <laughs> together. Welcome to our show, Dr. Ken. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. So tell me about yourself. Why did you end up first? Tell me about your own um, practice that you're doing neurologist. I know um, you're doing it for a long time. And then you realize that you're going to add functional medicine to what you're doing. And, and this is so interesting because I have a lot of medical doctor connections and they always ask me that we feel that in medical world, we need something extra than what we practice. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, I want to tell you a little story about that and begin with, a, a saying that had been associated with neurologists for a long time, and that is diagnose and adios. Because I've been a neurologist since 1998. That's when I finished my training at Vanderbilt University and first went into practice. And that expression of diagnose and adios means we are really good at figuring out what's going on. What is the problem? Make the diagnosis. But we've trailed, for example, behind the cardiologists and cardiothoracic surgeons, because even though we we're very good at making the diagnosis, the feeling was in general, there was very little that we could do about it, which is, which is terrible and tragic, of course, with diseases like Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease. 
And so that really reached uh, a peak of frustration for me about, about a decade later, about a decade later after working with patients in my office, making that diagnosis, offering them drugs that largely treated their symptoms, but left the underlying disease unchanged. And, you know, we, once you made that diagnosis, I'm sorry to tell you you have multiple sclerosis. I'm sorry to tell you you have Alzheimer's disease. I'm sorry to tell you you have Parkinson's disease, ALS. It's almost like saying, well, you know, plan the end of your life because there's no hope and there's nothing we can do and we'll give you the medicine that's kind of a Band-Aid. But the met, but the disease is just going to get worse, and that's just a just it's a it's a terrible way to practice medicine. It's a frustration for patients, and quite honestly, it's a frustration for practitioners. Yes, you actually pointed very interesting topic because it's not only for brain disease, all the chronic disease, even unexplained infertility that I had the same issue. And that's so frustrating when you hear the same thing over and over again. And, but I knew in bottom of my heart, there is a solution there that medical doctors can see it. And I'm so happy that you have both skills, functional medicine and um, medical medicine together, because when they mix together conventional and holistic medicine, they are really great combination because you are the best reference to go when you know about the anatomy, when you know about the pains, all disease and how to do it. It's much better than somebody just do the functional medicine itself. We can give people hope and give people things to do to really improve the resilience of their brain and the rest of their nervous system. It it makes a huge difference. You know, for me, it started with an interest in endurance athletics. My wife and I started a bicycle club. And even though I had enjoyed cycling as a as a youngster, as a teenager, I remember my my first Schwinn varsity I got uh, when I was, uh, you know, for as a birthday present it was it was sort of emerald green. You know, I went through medical school, life changes. I had a child. The bike collects dust. I have no idea whatever happened to that one. There were a few bikes after the original Schwinn. But the point is, we bought bikes. We started riding. We got pretty serious about it. We started doing those 100-mile rides. Before you know, I was kind of bored with that. Let's do some running. Let's find out about triathlon. Well, I finished two Ironman triathlons. Or three, actually. What am I saying? <laughs> but anyway, the point really is, in order to accomplish those things, it was more than just getting out and riding my bike or running or swimming. You know, uh, it really takes an integrated effort. It takes an effort when it comes to sleep. It takes an effort when it comes to nutrition, movement, that important mind-body connection. All of it is it, it plays a role. And it took me to a completely different place in my life. And yet what I was doing is I was changing. I was changing how I think. I was changing how I move. I was changing my health, my body, my mind, my brain. And I was going to the office and I was doing the same old thing. And that really just didn't work. And I was just so lucky that through actually another podcaster, So just know that you absolutely change people's lives. I was listening one day and they were interviewing the great Dr. David Perlmutter and he was talking about changing brain health 
and reversing Alzheimer's disease and dementia. And I thought that's, wait a minute here. And, and he, when he talked about how these things could be accomplished, it just you know rang every bell for me. And, and I knew this is something that I had to find out more about. I had to learn it. I looked up the Institute for Functional Medicine where he is faculty. And I, I became one of the first neurologists that they certified in functional medicine. Uh, so, you know, these changes, these shifts can happen personally and professionally. And I'm so grateful to have this toolbox that, that really, I say, got bigger because it's still necessary to make an accurate diagnosis. It's still critical to understand what we call the natural history of disease. But what functional medicine does is it brings the uniqueness of each person into the frame and teaches us that there are many causes for these diseases, not just one. So we never should go to the doctor and say, doctor, what caused this, right? Because it's never just one thing. It's really a juggling act and everyone is different. So functional medicine becomes that personalized precision medicine that gives us the, tool, the tools to look under the hood of the car, figure out where the imbalances are and help people correct them. And you can make reversals in Alzheimer's. You can make reversals in Parkinson's. It is a remarkable, remarkable feat for the provider and the patient, especially the patient. Well, that was a beautiful message. And I'm so happy to have you to talk about this and new stuff about the brain that you can change it, especially Alzheimer, because you think that if you hit by Alzheimer, that's it, and you cannot change it. So what are your recommendations for somebody who come to you and you just diagnose him with Alzheimer? What do you do first? Well, let me put it in a sort of a framework. And that is, if we go back, I mentioned the cardiologists, I mentioned the heart surgeons, because we've been through a few decades now where we know, you know, the, this is the motto of the American Heart Dis Association, that heart disease is preventable. Heart disease is to some extent reversible, right? Even the people that have a heart attack and they go through heart bypass surgery, what's the next step after they get out of the hospital? They go to cardio rehab right? And what does cardio rehab consist of? Changing that diet, exercising. And I was shocked to find out that stress alone puts a person at a greater risk for a heart attack than cigarette smoking, right? And all of these things that affect the heart affect the brain. All of these things that can build resilience for the heart build resilience for the brain. So in functional medicine, first of all, the most important foundations are those lifestyle factors, every single one of them. You have to get seven or eight hours of sleep, good quality sleep, not a nightcap to knock you out, and then very poor quality sleep interrupted by periods of not breathing, exhausted the next day. You have to get good quality sleep, lights out, in the dark. Food, you have to have nutrient-dense diet processed foods, no inflammatory foods. We have to, you know, there's this Mediterranean diet. And if you can learn the Mediterranean diet, you're on the way to an anti-inflammatory lifestyle when it comes to food. Now we can modify that. We want to limit the carbohydrates that are very refined in that diet that make the blood sugar go high, right? But the complex carbohydrates that are in plants, very good 
for the brain, good for the gut. I'm sure you've talked about gut health in your program before. It's very, very important, this gut-brain connection. We have to have movement. And in the case of the brain, what I see with movement in my patients very frequently, I say, are you moving? Yes, we walk every day. Or they do the same, whatever it is they're doing, which, you know, movement is medicine. Don't get me wrong. If you're walking and that's all you're doing, that's better than sitting on the sofa for sure. But the brain learns, the brain changes when it's challenged. So the kind of movements we like to see are movements that challenge both the body and the brain. So are you introducing complex movements, boxing, dancing, other things that require thinking patterns, changes, you know, that you have to be on your toes, so to speak. So you do want to get that cardiovascular effect, get the heart rate up briefly, but you also want to challenge your brain. And the more you do that, the more that that fitness exercise is going to be good for the brain and the rest of the body. We can't discount the role of stress. I've said it a few times. I would say it might even, in my opinion, be the most important thing when it comes to healing, because we can eat the best diet in the world, but if our bodies are in that fight or flight all the time, the food doesn't even get assimilated, right? So we always have to work on that. And I wanna put closely together with that, really our connection our, our, with ourselves, our conscious awareness, who we are, our identity, our goals, our purpose in life with that stress discussion as well. We work on that through health coaching in our office. Very important to have that vision, that purpose, and that alone helps to control the stress and the cortisol and so forth that goes with it. And let us not forget, lastly, that in this time of coronavirus 19, we have this critical relationship with the people that we love and care about because social isolation is as bad for the brain as it is for the rest of the body. And I can tell you that I have seen Alzheimer's disease reverse very significantly in patients who are lonely, who changed that pattern, got connected, found someone else, their tribe, and they started to thrive. So those mm -hmm. are the basic foundations. You know, you are actually referring again to my practice as well. I'm a fertility coach and PTSD coach. And uh, I always tell my clients, uh, choose Mediterranean food <laughs> because uh, I also do the same. And uh, it's, it's less, you can use less uh, oil and, you know, less processed food um, and also eliminate dairy product because I, for me, really worked. I always had phlegm and asthma. As soon as I removed their product, my asthma got much, much better. And with this functional medicine, as you see, sleep is so important. Stress, you can't take any other medicine. And it doesn't work for you if you have a stress, if you are emotionally tense. And if you are not connected to right people, because if you have bad connections, like around you, everything is like negative, negative, negative. You hear the news every day and there are lots of uh, bad side of these news, like for the Corona and I don't listen to it every day. <laughs> and as you said, uh, 
I also have support groups. That's why I always tell my clients, connect to others who have the same issue, but are successful. Like you you can see some success in their path and uh, connect to loved one. As you said, again, it's the very important key factor in healing. Absolutely. I think we have a new motto here. Turn off the news, turn on the Green Healing Show. What do you think? <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Why not? Spread it. It has to I go started, viral. I started Green Healing Show exactly in pandemic. It's interesting. I start. I had other shows, but then I see there are lots of other people here. They have chronic disease and you can do anything about it. They they are very hopeless. They don't, don't know how to reconnect again and to be healthy again. So tell me more about Alzheimer. I really wish to know and dig into it to see how exactly you refer to them, I mean, how exactly you treat them and what do you recommend? Yes. And you know, your point earlier about fertility and how the recommendations you make as a coach are very similar to what we do to, for the brain. This is not a coincidence because in functional medicine in general, and this, is apply, this applies to neurology functional medicine, it, 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 it applies to women's health functional medicine, we use that image of the tree, right? And so the diseases, those big diseases are out in those distant branches, the diagnosis, the Alzheimer's, the Parkinson's, the MS, and so forth. We in functional medicine want to move down the branches toward the trunk. And I always say in the trunk, we find things like chronic inflammation, oxidative stress. In the cases of these, what we call neurodegenerative diseases, which are diseases in which the nerve cells are destructing, there's some stuff sometimes self-destructing, a process called apoptosis or programmed cell death. We also are interested in the mechanisms that underlie aging, right? Because we know in our own personal experiences, we can meet someone who's 60 or 70 years old and they look not a day over 50 and somebody who's 50 and they look like they're 80, right? So we do age differently. There's chronological age and there's biological age. We know that from the telomere studies and so forth as well. So aging, inflammation, oxidative stress. Wait, I didn't say genes. Oh, that's there's a reason for that. It turns out that your genes are not your destiny and they actually in general, not always, but in general play a relatively small role in determining your long-term health because there's this layer on top of your genes it is the science of epigenetics or how we control the expression of our genes. And it goes right back to lifestyle and environmental medicine, which we haven't touched on too much yet. But we do, of course, live in potentially a very toxic environment, both in terms of our home and the chemicals we use, the water we drink, the electromagnetic fields, the coal-burning power plants that dump, you know, mercury into the atmosphere and then drops down into the soil, the destruction of the fertility of our soil so that the microbes and the bugs and the worms that naturally inhabit the soil are not there and they are not contributing to the health of the food that we eat, right? We have endocrine disruptors, which I'm sure you've talked a lot about. 
So it's very toxic. And of course, you and I have already talked a lot about stress or toxic thoughts and toxic relationships. So the environment is very important. We can talk about Alzheimer's disease very specifically, but I want to make sure that the listeners or the viewers understand that these fundamentals apply to fertility medicine and they apply to the brain. Exactly. Because to me, when I work with them, I see they are not the only one have inflammation. And it's so easy to understand the root cause of their issue because I see most of them look healthy reproductively because when the doctor, medical doctors see their reproductive function, they don't have any problem. But when you go to the root cause of the issue, you see they have lots of toxics <laughs> and uh, they need to remove this toxin from their environment. They have a lot of um, shortage of sleep, lack of a sleep, um, and the diet is not good. They have uh, lots of inflammation, as I said. Cause, and these, these contributors are enough to get you to infertility <laughs> as yeah. you do with the chronic disease with brain because everything is somehow related to each other as you know holistic medicine the good thing about it is just it doesn't just touch the symptoms yes, yes? it goes to the root cause of the issue because you can see the problem is this Somebody come to you and said, I have headache all the time. All right. If the doctor is not deep enough, okay, you get these tablets and uh, you that's it. You have migraine or whatever. Right. <laughs> but you don't know. You don't go deep into it. And then you see a root cause. Maybe she has liver issue. <laughs> Maybe she has other inflammation issues. It's interesting because yes. my fertility issue, uh, the medical doctor say everything okay. But then I went to acupuncture and he said, you have liver issue. Mm. Uh, you have cold body. You need to have warm food. You know, as soon as I took it after two months, after so many years of struggling, two months going to acupuncture, I was okay. Mm. Wow. I, I believe that. I am not as adept at that sort of thing as my wife, who's a health coach, is, but she talks about, you know, releasing the chakras the, where the blockage is. And it, it can make a huge difference, huge difference for a person. That is a very important part of the whole healing process for sure. So what happens in my office to answer your earlier question is we have what we call a five pillar approach. And this is really a nice framework for understanding how these conditions can be approached. And the first one is very simple. I touched on it, it's identify the problem. We still have to know what the diagnosis is. I know there are probably many listeners who suffer from things like brain fog. Remember that brain fog is not a diagnosis and there are many reasons a person can have brain fog, right? So we have to sit down and very clearly understand exactly what's going on. Because functional medicine is not the, hey, it is like an antibiotic and you take it for seven or 10 or 14 days and it's all better. It is a process, it is a journey. And I always have to remind my patients that this journey, even if they do well, this journey is going to be the rest of their lives, right? The rest of their lives. This is slow medicine, but we still have to understand 
this disease name thing because until we have 100% complete cures for these conditions, we have to understand that it's really, we're, we're almost like we're working in two dimensions because we're managing the disease, but we're, at least we're, we're, we're anticipating, we're following, we're, we're, uh, we're applying our understanding to what doctors like to call the pathophysiology. But then functional medicine is focusing on the person at the same time. And what we're doing as integrative providers is looking at the intersection of those two points. So identify. And then we can go to investigate. You want to know the root causes? We sit down and you tell me your whole life story. Whole life story. Beautiful woman I saw this week and actually yesterday in my office, you're talking about migraine, you're talking about infertility, has a family history of migraine. This is very typical. So she's already got some antecedents, some predisposition to getting migraine. Started having them when she was a freshman year in college. But leading up to that freshman year in college or her formative years, mother is a type A personality, very organized, very successful, owns a newspaper business. But at the same time, these sort of type A, a little obsessive compulsive traits puts that person in a just kind of a little closer to that fight or flight mode already, right? She had a diet, standard American diet, not good for the gut, not good for the microbiome, affects the brain, affects the hormones, right? Um, she had been treated with antibiotics. She may have had some head injuries over the years. So move forward in time, she starts having migraines in college. That's sort of the turning point, right? But initially, they're not too bad, but they are worse around her menstrual period. So you already know that hormones influence the brain, right? Not just the, the reproductive tract. So now move forward a little more in time. She's met her husband and they decide they're going to have children. And guess what happens, right? Guess what happens? She has trouble with fertility. Exactly. Yes. And she's yeah. told that she has polycystic ovarian disease, right? So now mm. we know that she has in a metabolic syndrome. Her testosterone is high. There are all kinds of underlying issues with insulin resistance, right? And, and she's slim lady would look at her and say, oh, you obviously, no, you wouldn't think she has PCOS, but she has PCOS. So then she's, she and her husband, they talked to a fertility specialist. They said, no, this is not the direction we're going to, we're going to go in. We're just going to, we're just going to accept whatever God gives to us or whatever. We're going to relax, right? We're going to stop worrying. And guess what happens? Oh, she gets pregnant, right? Exactly, so she... <laughs> exactly. Is that happening for Alzheimer's disease as well? <laughs> well, you know, the hormones play a critical role. And remember that if you take three people with Alzheimer's, two out of three are women, right? And women who, you know, we, if you look at, we are genetically very similar to our very distant ancestors. And even though now we live in these comfortable environments where air conditioning or heating and artificial lighting, and we have food all available to us all the time, but we are really not that evolved from a genetic perspective. And our ancient ancestors would have never have lived to 80 years old, 85 years old. So they didn't, they didn't know what menopause is. They didn't live long enough for menopause really to happen. But now we live at least a third of our lives women especially, but men, you know, andropause, low testosterone, that kind of thing. And 
make no mistake about it, even progesterone and estradiol are important for the male brain. But we live a third of our lives with these low hormones. It has a profound effect. So absolutely, this is critical. And I strongly believe in uh, bioidentical hormone replacement postmenopausal. And the evidence is there that it can impact the risk of Alzheimer's disease. Mm -hmm. So that brings us to that third pillar too. So we, we uh, have investigated root causes, and this does include looking at hormones, by the way. And our lady I was just referring to with the migraine, not to digress too much, she has her baby. And then after her baby is born, uh, she, she is uh, focusing on her now two, she has two children, but she has two babies. It was after the second one that was born, uh, she starts having really bad migraines now. And there are all kinds of triggering and mediating factors for that, uh, including the stress, including the personality, including the gut, including the hormones, right? Um, but does the same thing apply to Alzheimer's disease? Absolutely. So now we're talking about investigating those unique root causes. And I say it's like taking the, a jigsaw puzzle and dumping the pieces onto the table because all of the pieces are there to make that puzzle, right? But how are you going to put it together? How are you going to do it? Mm. You need a health coach, right? You need a health coach. <laughs> you need a neurologist who understands functional medicine. You need someone to guide you through movement for your brain. You need a functional nutritionist. It's not saying, oh, the food pyramid and, you know, eat your grains and eat your dairy, right? Because that's only going to make you sick. I like it. I like it. <laughs> because these days I see people go to health coaches a lot. The reason is, um, I think, conventional medicine and integrated medicine should work together. And uh, doctors don't have too much time to just go and work individually with each patient, right? Yes. So that's why we need health coach, we need uh, functional medicine. And I have a very important question. I'm just curious about it because you've, you've been in both, both sides of the coin. <laughs> uh, what is the difference? when you are now on so functional medicine before when you you did you you were not about the medication do you give the same medication to your patient or uh, you first you go to root cause of the issue and try not to give them only medication you know, the answer really is it depends. Now, right now, for example, with Alzheimer's disease, the only currently approved drugs have been around for several decades and they only treat symptoms. And there is some evidence in the medical literature that in, at least in some cases, they actually may make people worse in the long run, not better. Now, there've been over $250 billion spent on clinical trials looking at disease-modifying therapies for uh, Alzheimer's disease, pretty much all of them have failed. There is a little hope, there's a little light at the end of the tunnel right now, maybe a product called aducanumab from Biogen, but even that drug, which we may see this year, and, and certainly it's good news, I'm not, not discounting that, I probably will use it in my practice. However, it took, in the best case scenario, it took monthly intravenous treatments for 18 months to see a 30% improvement in the expected rate of decline, 
Okay, so that's a lot of drug. That's a lot of money for a pretty modest improvement. So, however, a disease like multiple sclerosis, we have quite a few disease-modifying therapies. And that would be very difficult to ignore. It's a terribly disabling disease where the average age of onset is 34 years old. And again, functional medicine is personalized, right? So you come to me, and by the way, women are more commonly affected by MS than men. So very common to see women such, women such as yourself. And we sit down and we, what do we do? We talk. You tell me your story. We go through your timeline. We take a good neurological history and physical. So we do both traditional and functional medicine, right? We review all of the data, your MRI, lumbar puncture, if you had one, and we say, okay, in your situation, based on everything we learned, not just you know what your MRI looks like, but what you're telling me about yourself, because as you know, with your clients, right? You meet them where they are. Some of my patients are very sophisticated with their diet. Some of them, it's, it's very new, this whole idea of an anti-inflammatory diet. So I, there's not a one shoe fits all, right? We, some people I'll say, look, it is wonderful to do functional medicine. There is never not a reason to do functional medicine, except one, which is your mother drags you to the functional medicine doctor because she said, I had such a great experience with functional medicine. My daughter needs to do functional medicine. And you're like, I don't know, right? Because if you're not ready and you're not engaged, you're not going to do functional medicine because you're not going to make the change, right? But other than that, functional medicine can never hurt. It can only help. But we have to look at this honestly. And if I say, look, you're young. You have very, very uh, aggressive looking MRI scan with lots of spots in the brain that for your MS, uh, you know, you had uh, very dramatic symptoms already, you know, um, you're a setup for potentially for a very aggressive disease course, and we have a lot of work to do. So my goal for you is the word function and functional medicine, maximize your function, maximize your quality of life. That can mean medication. Now, I'm not going to be one of those doctors who's going to hold my breath till you say, yes, I'm going to be on medicine. But I'm going to give you my honest opinion that I recommend that we start on some medicine and then we begin that process of functional medicine. So we begin the drug and functional medicine. Let's see how you do because another piece of functional medicine is tracking, tracking our outcomes. Are we making progress? Is the MRI stable? Is things like we do something called a 25-foot walk or a peg hole test to gauge your disease process? Are we making gains? Are you getting better instead of getting worse? In the case of Alzheimer's disease, is your memory testing getting better instead of getting worse? And we work on that for three, six, nine, maybe even 12 months. I say, okay, we've made a lot of progress. Your MRI is stable. You're dialed in with your sleep, your movement, your stress, your exercise, all the markers, all the measures we use, your medical symptoms questionnaire, your 25-foot walk, your peg hole test. Everything is looking really, really good. Now, I know you wanted to make that commitment to coming off your medicine. How do you feel about that now, right? Are you ready for that challenge? There's no guarantees. Are you ready for that challenge? Let's do this together, okay? Other people come in. They have relatively benign disease. 
say, look, you're very motivated. I believe in you. More importantly, you believe in you, right? You can do this. And we don't start the medicine, but we still take this very seriously. We follow this. We track everything we can track because look, sometimes life doesn't work out perfect, right? Even if you think you're doing everything right, I got this, right? I have a lovely, tell you another young woman, patient of mine with multiple sclerosis. Uh, you know, if you look at her, first of all, with a lot of people with MS, you don't know they have MS because they look good, right? But she's one of those. She looks good. She does, in her mind, everything she should be doing. She's even on, uh, was even on some medication. We get her MRI. She's got, she's got a new spot and it, it takes up the IV contrast. We say it's enhancing. That's not good. That's acute disease activity. She's like, ah, I feel so defeated. I've been following Dr. Wall's book. I love Dr. Terry Wall's. <laughs> following Dr. Wall's book, right? I've been doing the diet. I've been doing the exercise. I don't understand. I say, look, first of all, give yourself credit because if you aren't doing those things, we could be in a lot worse shape right now. So give yourself credit. Give yourself a pat on the back. Now, we're going to take that deep dive because I've been asking you, you come in to see me, my regular patients, not functional, even though you've got the right mindset. Now I want you to engage me with functional medicine. You work with my team. We're going to take a deep dive into your labs because you can't feel your glutathione level, right? You can't go, oh, well, I put my finger on my pulse and check my glutathione level. It's okay, right? You can't feel that. Even if you eat a lot of broccoli, you never know. You still have a low glutathione level. So let's look under the hood. Let's do the labs. Let's figure out what's going mm. on. And let's work on that mind-body like connection. Because like once it. again, yes. what does stress do to MS? Boom, mm. right? It's like a nuclear bomb with MS and they have flare-ups. And if you have that type A personality, everything has to be perfect. You're, you know, things get you upset easily because they're not lined up. You know, your MS is going to be worse and we have to work on that. So that's, you know, I have some clients that are really in good shape. They don't have any extra weight, but they have infertility issues, even if they have good diets. One of their problems is too much exercise. <laughs> and I had another friend, she has MS, and one, one of my colleagues, and she was a runner. So you see too much exercise if you don't get good diet. It's going to burn your fat more than what it needed. <laughs> and and that's, that's your hormones up, right? Exactly. It's that, that. So don't take that if you do heavy exercise is good for your body. You, you should have the same diet. And another problem that, again, my clients make a mistake is just they totally uh, try to remove carbohydrate, which is not really good because it gives you energy, right? And you have exercise. You remove totally, and then you, you have no energy left, right? It can be very hard. Now, there's a lot of interest, as you know, in the ketogenic diet. It's exactly. a diet that is very low in carbohydrates, typically 30 or 40 grams a day. And there is a place for that. Don't get me wrong. But I think, you know, there's, there's, it is what I consider a medical diet, actually. And even though it's very popular and people want to use it for weight loss, or they think 
They should be in ketosis all the time, which means they're burning fat constantly. I actually don't subscribe to that idea at all. Mm-hmm. I think there may be a place, but there certainly is a, is a good argument for intermittent fasting, for time-restricted eating, and even for a period, maybe you want to do the prolonged diet where you have a week, you know, five or, five or six days of, of low-calorie, very, very tightly prescribed, you know, nutrient approach. And give your give your body a break, give your gut a break, do some um, autophagy and you know stem cell stimulation and so forth. That's fine. But you know a ketogenic diet is is a starvation mimicking diet itself, and 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 it's an adaptive state of the body. Like it's a it's a good thing that uh, in a sense that you know we are by design able to survive through periods of starvation. That's something we inherited from our ancient ancestors, but we're not meant to starve all the time, right? And when you're starving all the time, you can guarantee that it's really gonna shut your fertility down because you know we're not it's meant stress. to reproduce. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, things go into metabolic, you know, you, metabolically things have to slow down, right? You want to make a baby, you don't need to be metabolically shut down. Yeah. You, got, you can have two lives to support there. Exactly. And uh, I, I am curious about this as well because uh, I, do, I do this. There are some functional medicine lab, which uh, medical doctors usually don't uh, order it, like mm-hmm. food sensitivity, not for everybody, but mm-hmm. usually for fertility, I always do food sensitivity or other uh, labs that you know are there, you know about that. Uh, do you also um, order extra labs in the beginning? Yes. Yeah. So my functional medicine program at Charlotte Health and Neurology is called the Brain Tune-Up Program. And we have a very deep dive set of labs that we draw. Uh, we use a variety of lab companies that are well-known, some of them you know, in the functional medicine world. Um, you know, labs play different roles. There are some very common nutrient deficiencies that must be addressed. Vitamin D, for example, very common. Magnesium, very common. Iodine, very common. And if your thyroid is off, again, it's going to affect, of course, your fertility, right? Yes. Um, so knowing these things, your zinc, another re- very common one. In neurology, in these big diseases, glutathione is often a factor. So we do have to address those things and, and other measures like your omega-6 to 3 ratio as we want the good fats, the omega-3 fatty acids, to be in appropriate balance with the pro-inflammatory omega-6 fatty acids. We need a little bit of inflammation, just not too much, right? So there definitely are deep dive labs that we do in that regard. But labs do other things. Sometimes labs tell us a story, right? They are a story about our lives, about where we've come from and where we need to go. So a lab can engage us in an understanding of how our bodies work. And once we're connected to that narrative, because this is how our brains are wired, you know, this is all the classic, uh, you know, psychologists and Joe Campbell and, you know, the hero's journey. We are on our hero's journey. We, ha- we can engage in an understanding. We have that aha moment. We're more likely to make the changes that need to be made. So labs can do that. And I think that is in part why sometimes traditional doctors don't want to order those labs, because honestly, they don't 
really know what to do with those labs. It's one thing to tell someone, hey, take some more vitamin D. And I find too often that conventional doctors really don't even know how much vitamin D to tell their patients to take. Um, but, you know, what are they going to do with a poop test, really? You know, what are they going to do with the GI effects 2200 or the school study and things like that, because that's really about a narrative, right? It's, it teaches you about, you know, gut microbial diversity and abundance. And yes, very important. Yes, yes. Yes. Right. So labs do a lot of different things. Labs give meaning sometimes Lyme disease. Now I'm ready to move forward. Now I'm ready to address the problem because until I understood what was happening to me, I'm stuck, right? How many of your clients are stuck? And I watch people who sort of flirt with, I don't mean in a, a, you know, like a romantic (laughs) way, but they flirt with functional medicine. They flirt with me, meaning, hi, Dr. Charlene, it's me again. What are your thoughts about this? Should we do this test? Like, no, 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 we're done doing We've done enough testing. We're going to move beyond the testing. We're going to move to making those changes. And then six months later, hey, Dr. Charlotte, I don't know if you remember me, but I've been doing some more Google research. And, um, you know, I read about this test. Do you think I should have this test? I'm still suffering. No, I think we've done enough tests. I think the answers are there. We can understand what's going on. Come and see me. We're going to work this out. So, to the listeners who are stuck, look, we're, we're, we're lightening up a little bit here, but this is serious business because find your guru, right? Find the person that you connect with because you can't do it alone, right? Most people cannot do this alone. They can go to the store and they can buy the pomegranates and they can get the, you know, the kale and all that good stuff. And it doesn't generally last too long, right? Usually we fatigue with that. We find our tribe. We find our leader, and there are many good people out there. We have to make those changes and stick with them and feel energized, not just, you know, just at a very deep spiritual level that we are connected and we are going in the right direction. Because healing, it starts from you. Like doctors and health coaches can help, but if, the patient doesn't want it, it's not going to happen. I have clients to clients. I had a client, she was pregnant at 47 year old. And I have other clients that are very disappointed, even if they are not even 30 year old. (laughs) (laughs) So you see, there are lots of differences between what you think, what you are able to, and what, how much energy you're going to put on this. Uh, even you go to medical doctors or functional medicine, if you are not willing to heal, it's not going to happen to you. <laughs> you have to dig down deep. Really exactly. have to dig down deep. Exactly. I love our interview. Thank you so much for being here. I really learned so many things from you. And uh, that, that's so promising that functional medicine is there and can be combined with conventional medicine. And people do not need to suffer so many years of chronic disease. And especially unexplained infertility, even Alzheimer, brain disease, gut disease, whatever you name it. (laughs) 
Yes, there is so much we can do. The power to heal is within ourselves. And you find the right healer to work with, to tap into your internal energy. It's your energy, as well as the combination of energy that you experience from that other leader, you know, your, con your connector, your healer, your coach, your, doc your doctor, nurse, you know, functional medicine provider and so forth. But really the magic that you're feeling is that is your magic that's reflected back to you. Right? Exactly. And I like that. You have to connect with your healer, even if medical doctor or whoever, because I we went to fertility clinics. I never connected with my <laughs> uh, specialist. And that was the worst part of it, because uh, a lot of people change their specialists because they don't feel connected. And this is so important because if you don't have that positive feedback from your fertility coach, fertility uh, specialist, brain doctor, or other medical doctors, then is this negative wave is going to hold you back. <laughs> yes, hmm. I totally believe in it. Thank you so much. Uh, we are, yeah, we really enjoy that. Thank you. Thank you.